I'm creative business coach, Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hello, welcome to the fourth installment of the Gauging Your Value series slash community project slash mindset June slash whatever you want to call it. Today, I am talking with Sarah Walworth of, she's got her hands in a lot of the pots. So she does the tech editor hub. She does tech tip talk. She does Trico edits. She is a tech editor, essentially, um, who helps other tech editors and also designers and just making sure that everybody has exactly what they need to get the best pattern out there. Um, But it was a really interesting conversation with her that I had that I wish we would have had so much more time for because she has such a unique perspective on everything. She's such a genuine person. Um, and I think that you're going to get a lot out of what we talk about today. So let's go ahead and just get into it. Okay. So let's just start with the basics then. Uh, what do you do? How did you get here? and more about your journey is what I would like to know. So what do I do? I am a knitting tech editor, first and foremost. Uh, I manage large collections of patterns and copy editing and proofreading and uh, technical editing in the book sphere. But I also do run the Tech Editor Hub, which is an online course, a place where you can purchase online courses to learn how to do what I do. And I also am half, as I think you mentioned somewhere else, I am half of Tech Tip Talk, which is uh, a monthly video broadcast on YouTube where We talk to people in the fiber industry about all the techie stuff. It's a place for the nerdy people to get together and chat about the technical aspects of pattern writing and knitting design. So I do a lot of things, (laughs) but how did I get here? Um, Long story short, uh, in the mid 2000s, I was home educating my three kids and kind of uncomfortable feeling lost a little bit about my own personal idea of where am I going to go when my kids graduate? What am I going to do? My husband encouraged me to take some online courses. I found the Learn to Tech Edit uh, course while I was studying to be a copy editor. And it was like the angels sang and all the lights went on. And I was like, oh, I can edit knitting patterns because at the time I was using knitting as solace and self-soothing in order to get through my day teaching my kids, which is incredibly intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, it, I just jumped in. Uh, within, uh, I, I know I was starting to take on clients and I started my business even before I finished the course. Mm-hmm. And because I was so enthusiastic, I built my, my, my goal was to start my business and then build it up over a period of five years so that I would finish. I would be at a point when my kids graduated that uh, I could jump in full time. Well, I built, I was too successful. I built up my business a little too fast. So I was juggling homeschooling and running 
this new tech editing business that I loved. It was super enthusiastic about, had so many clients, I actually had to turn people away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it opened up doors for me that every day I was just full of kind of um, an immense feeling of gratitude and overwhelming, oh, wow, this is so cool. I didn't know that the internet could do this for me. Put Plug me into a community of like-minded people, of really nerdy fiber people, people who get me, people who understand why I love talking about stitch size and the using the Pythagorean theorem to calculate the dimensions of shawls and ah, and spreadsheets and math and geometry and, and wow, I can do this uh, while I'm doing other things and I can be at home and caring for my family at the same time. It, it was, it was a really, um, I, I feel like I blossomed. I had been in the homeschool mom frame of mind for so long where you're always caring for other people and other people's mm-hmm. well-being. And it was like, as soon as I gave my brain some food with this tech editing job and learning how to be an entrepreneur, which I had no idea how to do, um, then all of a sudden I was like, I, I came alive again. I was like, oh, this is really fun. <laughs> So I don't remember your third question, but this is, that's how I got there. <laughs> that's no, how, that was my journey. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I really like that part about feeling like you're coming alive again. And I, I think it really lends itself to kind of what I want to talk about next, because, um, you know, I think it's a really common thing, too, that most of us spend so much time caring for other people you know, um, whether we're staying at home with kids, even sometimes when we're not, it feels like all the free time needs to be going into like focusing on everybody else because that's kind of like a societal expectation in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, as, as you kind of shifted into having a business and having um, really kind of another part of yourself come to fruition, you know, how has, how have like mindset issues come in, come onto the scene for you? Because I know that when I first reached out to you to be a part of the project, you mentioned that you were really interested in this topic because it was something that was really kind of fresh and new and, and recent for you. So I'm really like interested to hear, I keep saying excited, or like I told you earlier that it was like cool that you were like going through this, but it's Okay, so maybe it's not cool or exciting, but you know <laughs> that you're dealing with issues. But it is—it's really interesting to me that um, well, that maybe you haven't like been cognizant or had to have been cognizant of all, all of your flaws up until recently. <laughs> I was cognizant, um, however. It was, I had built up a coping system to kind of ignore and slide through a lot of the issues that I was facing. Mm. I I made the very distinct and wonderful decision to be a caregiver, to be at home with my kids. Um, And it was something I did intentionally. But I think it was a little bit at the expense of my own mental health and Mm -hmm. I maybe I don't know 
there, you know, the whole swirl of life as it, as you go through this period of um, having children and then maybe for me staying home with my kids and deciding to home educate them. Um, I put a, a lot of other things forward and because you know, you can't stay in, if you are suffering a little bit from depression for whatever reason, you, you can't stay in bed because the babies need to be fed right. and the, and the you, you can't ignore the life around you. You have to kind of plow through. So I had gotten over the years into this frame of mind where I'm just going to push. I'm just going to keep going, just keep moving forward. Just keep do the things I had. I had, uh, you know, checklists and stuff that I routines to keep me on task and things to keep me engaged. And the problem with that is then it becomes automatic to ignore some of the things that are happening, maybe mentally or physically. Mm. And that's where I ended up. Um, luckily I have a fantastic support system in my family and with my friends. And some people were like, Hey, wait a minute. Um, I, I mean, I'll be very honest with you and you can tell your audience ahead of time if you want, but I suffer from depression and anxiety. And it wasn't until I was farther along in my career as a mother, um, and as a home educator too, that I began to deal with that. The problem is, is then when you add, okay, so then I'm good. I'm in my sphere. I'm doing my thing. But then when I start a business, it opens up this, wait, okay, so then I can't procrastinate. I have deadlines mm. with my clients. What is this procrastination thing that keeps showing up every morning? What, why I have this sign above me right now. It says, just start. Because I had to physically remind me with words, just start. Right. And it became my mantra for those first couple of years that I was tech editing because I would sit and I would just get paralyzed at my desk. Like, okay, where do I, what, what do I start with this? And it, procrastination is something I've dealt with all my life, but I had coped out of it. And, and obviously I hadn't really dealt with the root cause of what was happening inside of me to yeah keep and it kept promulgating like there's more procrastination every morning it seems like it's the worst it's like oh and so um because of the, starting a business and having to be present and having to be accountable to my clients and to my to I'm building a business I'm growing so I'm like okay I really do need to deal with this how do I deal? What's the source of procrastination? Okay, the source of procrastination is perfectionism. I gotta be perfect. I can't do it if I if I start. What if I fail? What if what if what if I don't find all the mistakes in the pattern? What if uh, this this client doesn't like the work that I did and and they fire me? Uh, uh, and then you just get in the what ifs, the what ifs, what ifs, and then that builds up some anxiety too. So I had to deal personally, I came around to, um, when I would come into a project, uh, I would have to put myself in another frame of mind. So I started to build a playlist. That was my working playlist. That was joyful. Got me into the frame of mind. Oh, I'm, I'm beginning. This is my beginning. Mm. And, um, 
when I ran into problems in a project, for instance, a client's unhappy, I missed something, uh, testers don't understand, um, whatever, whether it be a fundamental issue related to the cost of the tech editing for them or communication is a big problem. And we can come back to that later is how much I had to learn about communication. Then I had to address that perfectionism I kept every morning come up. So I started music um, and I started to work through a routine with myself where I forgave myself. You're human. It's all good. Mm -hmm. um, and it's okay to make mistakes. And I started to deal even with some of the issues that the memories that would come up, like growing up, not allowed to make a mistake. I remember <laughs> I would play the piano as a kid and the, the teacher would be like, no, no, as I made a mistake, no, no. And it just, it'd make you jump. And I realized <laughs> there's this habit just through circumstances, environment, I don't have any horror, I don't have any harbor any feelings against these people, but it's just society um, being an A-list student that you have to achieve, that you have to do the things. And it just builds up this mental habit of I need to be perfect before I can do anything. And while I'm doing anything, you better not make a mistake. And so then when you come into editing, guess what? You're a human. You're going to miss stuff. You're going to make mistakes. And not only that, but you're pointing out other people's mistakes. Whoa. Okay. How do I do that with grace and kindness and mm. tactfulness and not make them feel this big? Yeah. So there's like this, I never knew that starting this business was going to unearth all these issues from that have like kind of been deep, deep seated in me. And I would have to deal with it in order to be a successful business owner. Yeah. I was like, wow, being a entrepreneur, first of all, is very hard for me. I'm not naturally an entrepreneur. I'm not a trier outer. I'm a, I'm a, let's do one thing and finish it and be done and tell me what to do so I can just finish it. Um, so the, the idea of building a business that it can be anything. What do you want it to be? Whoa, that's a little scary too. Yeah. Because ultimately they all say, you know, how many businesses fail within the first five years? Oh, there's that word fail. So I, I feel like being an entrepreneur allowed me the space and the room to come face to face with a lot of the issues that before I could kind of slide. Yeah. Put aside, maybe not deal with today because I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's really, there's so much in there that's really interesting. And I appreciate you sharing all of those things as well. So I know some of that is, you know, it's, it's hard to admit, but it's also really cathartic, I think, sometimes to admit you know, for ourselves, but then for the people on the other end as well. It's like, oh yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking because it does tend to be something that we all start to see ourselves have very similar responses to things or thought processes. And that's pretty much just 
the fact that we are humans, like as a species and our survival instincts are starting to kick in and trying to keep us safe. And so then all these other narratives start to come into our head. But what I think is really interesting is that, you know, and, and we hate to think of things in this way because nobody should ever have to experience, you know, um, trauma or anxiety or, you know, it's rough. It's rough when you are expected to be perfect throughout your life. But at the same time, that's also given you specifically a strength in that now you know what you don't want your clients to feel like. And it allows you to kind of foster an environment where you are very conscious of the fact that you don't want them to feel like they have to be perfect. And I think that that's, I think that's a really interesting note um, and a positive out of a negative experience. Yeah, so let me read you the other phrase I have up in front of me. Work with your strengths and play with your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the, and you know, these were all things that I put up within the first year of my business and I still keep up because I feel like I am my, one of my strengths. And of course, some people around me might say, oh, that's not a strength, but I'm <laughs> critical. So not okay. But in, as an editor, there's, this is a strength. I see, I see all the little things that might be wrong with something, not in the point of, oh, that's wrong. Like, you know, red mark, tick, 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 but in the sense of, oh, this could be different. This could be better. This could be, I have like this running, I know how to fix that. I know how to improve that. Or I know how to, I can read that a little bit differently and it would be more clear. So as an editor, you have, we editors are innately a little bit more detailed. Mm -hmm. We can see things that other people might not see. Like we'll see, like there's a, there's a period missing or mm. all these things uh use brackets instead of parentheses these but that's some people might say oh that's hard that's a that's that can be a weakness because you're overly opinionated and overly critical <laughs> okay so my first part of my business i had to learn how to frame all these things in a way that is a positive uh start I started asking a lot of questions of myself. How, how do I want to be talked to? So in other words, I am critical. I see, and I can go real fast, like be very firm, like this is wrong and this is off and this is bad and your knitters are not going to like this. And that tone is destructive and it's destructive for my relationship with my client. So, uh, Granted, it, it's one way of approaching the communication, but it's not going to build that person up. And I realized the goal of my business as an editor, because I'm, in, I'm behind the scenes, I'm kind of like an invisible part of the whole publishing process. No one may even know that I even worked on any of these patterns, is to build up the confidence of this designer that, yes, you can do this. I am here to help you. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to show you some things that might, you might need to change and this number's wrong and they won't get this and it's going to frustrate them, but this is not pointing out defects that you're not, you know, pointing out defects in someone in a pattern is not, that's there. The two are not the same. You're not your pattern. And mm -hmm. to create this communication, create this environment of I'm here to help you. 
You can ask me questions. What do you think about this? Do you think this might work better? Um, I don't understand this. Am I missing something? I started asking questions instead of saying, this is wrong. And the being, a, so in an editing world, it's called a query. And that really works. It's, what about this? And that open that open space in in the communication process between me and the client, where eventually I and I would just go yes at the end of a project, where they go I learned so much from you. I feel like I'm a better designer because we had this process over a three page pattern, you know a shawl pattern. Oh, we I get this better. I now I see this. And then the next project the pattern writing would be a little tighter, would be a little cleaner, would be a little bit more clear. And I just felt like I'm doing this process behind, first of all, I have to deal with my own weakness of being overly critical. Secondly, to, do, to turn it in, is it a weakness? Maybe not, turn it into a strength where I'm like, okay, I see these things. What do we do? How do we solve this? This is a problem, but how are we gonna solve this together? Let's work together as a team to make this make it the best it can be. And I feel like that was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun for me. Um, and still I had to learn how to communicate well, which is hard over email. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. I've talked to several tech editors who are in my membership who they'll be like, well, I got on a phone call instead of email. And boy, it went a lot smoother. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So I've had to also learn how to broaden my concepts of what it means to run my business. Where is my boundaries? There was a time where I was only do everything through email because that was what I was comfortable with. And I had to get uncomfortable. I had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with actually talking to my clients and having text chats and phone calls and Zoom meetings when Zoom became a thing and just to connect more. And when I began to connect with my clients directly, it things that would have been a problem, not a problem because they, under, they can hear your tone, they understand your intent, they see your smile, they, you can <laughs> joke with them about things. Um, I appreciate that it's not that it takes it a step out of a professional relationship into a, you know, casual friendship necessarily, but there's this camaraderie. There's this connection. connection. Yes. <laughs> there's this connection over the, the silly things like spaces and fonts and formats. <laughs> uh, which are very fun when, if you're really into those things. Um, but yeah, I, and you know, I like that there's this concept of, you know, maybe, maybe something that our mind perceives as a weakness isn't actually a weakness, right? Like there, maybe there is a place for that kind of behavior and that doesn't work with absolutely everything in life, like my ultra defensiveness. Um, but like, there are certain things that like when I ask this question of clients, you know, one of the very first things I ask is what are some of your strengths at all? Like in, in life in general, and the natural phenomenon that occurs is that every single one almost exclusively starts telling me what they're not good at. 
And it's like, okay, okay, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. This is not what I asked. I asked what your strengths are. And then we don't, I never ask what your weaknesses are. I never would ask that because I don't, I don't want number one to focus on them. But number two, like, is it a weakness or is it just something that you haven't gotten the grasp of or mastered yet, right? Is it like that fixed mindset versus that growth mindset sort of attitude? Yes. And I think there, there is a place to, to look at, I know I've done this to look at who I am and decide, well, is this really a weakness (laughs) or is this something that I can uh, harness and tame and use to my advantage, but also to fulfill what my ethos is to help others. So my personality is just generally, how can I help you? So how can I turn this into something that actually matches my person and matches who I am and is not destructive to others, is not detrimental to relationships or communication? Because in a sense, who we are in our personality, we may have all these prickly bits, right? But who we are internally, there's so much of it that can be used in a way that's profitable. Um, At least that's my opinion. I don't know if others would agree with me. Um, Of course, there are some things that are entirely destructive that shouldn't be harnessed in any way, (laughs) excised. but, but most of us don't, most of us aren't going to have something that's that, that like a lot right. of times we take something that really is not necessarily a quote unquote weakness and we start to really beat ourselves up over it, you know, right. and that's what we don't need to be doing. Yes. It's not necessary. And that was something I had to learn pretty quickly when I made, uh, had a big mistake in my work. Let's say, I, let's say for instance, you know, I missed a certain part of something that cascaded into the next section of the pattern and the testers are all messed up. And then the, the, the chart has to be rewritten and the designer's freaking out. And the gut punch happened for me. Like as a tech editor, you will understand this. It's like, you get that email and you're like, ah, uh, we have a problem. And then it's like this pound like oh I missed something I didn't fulfill this to the I didn't get it right and now I've got to do maybe hours worth of work to correct the situation on my own dime and the I can it can be a problem because you're like okay how do I deal with this negative feeling Mm -hmm. of I made a mistake and well, what do I do with all this? And what if this ever happens again? And so I know I wrote a lot about, I wrote this in the piece that I submitted for the community project. There's, there's a couple ways I can do. I can beat my, continue to beat myself up and be like, oh, I'm such a bad person. Okay. Well, one mistake does not mean that I'm a bad person, Right. but one mistake can be a learning tool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I started, I have this checklist um, that I work through when I edit. That checklist is basically a cemetery of all of the problems and all the mistakes that I've made in past projects. 
And so I would, I miss something up oh, goes on the checklist because I'm going to check it next time and it becomes okay so then there's I made a mistake it's kind of a weakness right okay but it becomes my strength because then I can apply having missed this on this pattern now I'm not going to miss it on any other pattern because I have it on my checklist I don't have to feel bad about it I'm I'm in the process of learning too but at the same time I also had to feel I also had to realize when these emails come I made a mistake I missed something I'm human oh boy Sarah's human. (laughs) Um, What do I do? What do I do in that moment? And I basically, I've learned how to take a deep breath. Okay, I've take, I, I have to work through it. I have to solve the problem. What's the first thing that I got to do is I got to forgive myself for making a mistake. Okay, Sarah, you're not perfect. Woohoo. You know, lights are on. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) And okay, what's the second thing? I send a note to the, the, um, the client, Hey, let's work through this. I will help you solve this on my own time. Um, I'm hundred percent for helping you. Oops. Yes, I did. I admit I made the mistake. I missed this part. And then we work through it and just step-by-step, step-by-step and being accountable for the things in this business, I think is really crucial, but I had to stop rewinding the memory and mm. that feeling of oh you missed it yeah. and I had to just take it as it rolls move on and just realize this okay this is a this is a point where I can learn how to do this better here's here's a life experience learning of how to edit better right and and I learned this in my copy editing course when I was doing this before I even started tech editing is what do you miss all the time make that your focus to make sure you don't Mm. Um, and that's just part of learning the business learning how to be a good editor and I I don't know if that's turning weaknesses into strengths but it's definitely there's a mindset shift that has to happen because otherwise gosh it'll make you ill to get that gut punch every single time you open your email then you don't want to go open your email you're like I don't want to look at my emails what if I Right, right. And it's discomfort. Can't. It's discomfort. And like, that's, we don't it's love it. Yes. <laughs> we don't love that. But I mean, obviously, that's the thing is like, there's, you have to, you, growing is uncomfortable. Yes. Growing is uncomfortable. Think of our teenage years. Right. Physically, growing is uncomfortable. <laughs> growing into like social, whatever garbage that you have to deal with during high school is uncomfortable. Everything about high school is uncomfortable. I hate high school. But like, but still, you know, you come out the other side better, right? You come out the other side better knowing more and having that knowledge and having that mindset shift, you know, assuming you were able to make the shift, you know, I think sometimes I'm realistic in thinking that like, sometimes I go through these growth moments or these discomfort moments and the mindset doesn't shift. I mean, the behavior does, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, critical because if you choose not to grow you choose right. not to open the emails if you choose to sit in the fear then you have inertia there's there's nothing right there's nothing it's not even so much inertia as i think you become impotent because you can't you know functional your functionality is going to get less and less and less and less and you're going to yeah. 
fall more into those negative feelings Mm -hmm. that actually are disruptive, not only to your physical health, your mental health, everything. If you entertain them and yet aren't resolving it and aren't moving forward from it to grow out of it and use it as a growing point, life gives us all kinds of opportunities. And we have a choice when we get faced with hard circumstances or mistakes or anything. What do we do in those moments? Do we use it as a point to grow and to become more fulfilled, better, uh, more capable of caring for, to become more of who we are meant to be in this world? Or are we staying in that? Does it become a trap where it, it, it traps our, our growth, not only, but it also traps anything that we might become mm. better and to improve whatever sphere we're in um, to bring in light and joy and life into all the areas of our life. So I think life allows us these opportunities. <laughs> what do you do in that moment? And it was funny that I had to become a business owner in order to be able to recognize more of those circumstances, maybe because it wasn't in the sphere of my home and in my family, but I was dealing with people outside my home where I was responsible to clients. I was responsible to business partners and collaborators, and I was responsible to them. And I couldn't slide it off. I had to really face head on. Why am I so afraid? What am I, why am I dragging my feet on getting this done? Why am I so uh, worried about uh, how I appear to others or how, how I come across or and to deal with it up front means that that's made me a better person. And who would have thought that becoming an entrepreneur is something Sarah would do? Because Sarah is not, I'm not that, I've known entrepreneurs, like serial entrepreneurs, uh, I can't say the word entrepreneurs, where they like start business and then they, and then it fails. And they're like, oh, I'm going to start another one. You're like, how would you start another one? They start another one. <laughs> and then it succeeds and they sell it. And then they start another one. And then they like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm not, oh, not that person. Who would have thought? So everything related to running a business is uncomfortable for me. Yeah. How do you, how do you invoice clients? Well, I have to go learn that. Or, and you have to wear all these hats of, um, accountant and marketing manager and COO and CEO. And then what, and then it's all on you where what happens when it doesn't work. And so it, all these points of learning how to run a business, which I'm very grateful for the community that helped me get there. Um, I got a lot of help from Tara Swiger initially in her starship and with Jolie Kelly in the learn to tech edit course just unbelievable. I was like, I don't even know what, what are these words you're saying about this? I have no idea what you're even talking about. And to get myself into the frame of mind of running a business and not doing it as a hobby. And then, so I had all these little points. What do I do? How do do I deal with this negative feeling? How do I deal with this uncomfortable feeling? Do I face it or do I run away? Run away was sometimes the first thing I did. Run away, I'm just gonna go hide. I know, yeah. And it's, well, it's, I mean, it's a good thing that you have it because obviously, you know, you've got so many things that are kind of working for you. And honestly, 
I could seriously, I'm so surprised. I had so many more questions. I feel like we could have talked for probably like an hour and a half, maybe more, but I also know that you run Tech Tip Talks with Christina. So I need to let you go do that. So would you just conclude at the moment by uh, letting us know where we can find you and your projects, all the things that you're doing online? Sure. So Tech Tip Talk is uh, techtiptalk.com. And we're also Tech Tip Talks on Instagram. And Christy and I are writing a book about pattern writing for knitwear designers, um, which will be released in fall of 2023. We're pretty excited about it. It's a lot of fun to be in the hot seat of a writer and not an editor. <laughs> um, learning how to be there is uncomfortable to say the least. Sure. Um, I also am uh, the owner of the Tech Editor Hub. So I'm trying to build up a community of people, like-minded people who want to learn how to tech edit and want to add this service to their businesses and also for just to collaborate together. The biggest thing I'm learning at the Tech Editor Hub, which you can find at techeditorhub.com, is that we can't do this by ourselves. Right. When I came in out of the copy editing sphere, which is outside of the fiber industry, I had this mentality that we had to compete with each other for clients. And it, I very am very much grateful for Jolie Kelly and for some others who showed me, no, we can't do this job by ourselves. We need help. Yes. And I am very much working to build up community over competition, especially in the sphere of editing, because there will be so many times where I cannot answer a question that I have in my project. Like this week, I posted a question about something like, how do I describe the backside of a stranded fabric? If that's the right side, like the floaty, the floaty side, what do I call this? And it was just so great to be able to jump on and ask this of and get 15, 20 replies. And this is why I can do what I do is I look like a good editor to my client, but in reality, I have these 20 people behind me going, hey, Sarah, why don't you call it the float side? Well, what if it's reverse, uh, reverse, uh, you know, something or other. And anyways, it was just so good. I, that, that is like the, the lovely part of running the Tech Editor Hub is to be able to collaborate with all these people who are just like me, complete nerds. <laughs> and, and or as they call it, k-nerds with a K, <laughs> like knitting nerds. And then I also, I'm sorry, this is way longer than necessary, but if you want to hire me to grade your pattern into different sizes, or if you want uh, my team of editors as uh, Trico Edit to edit your book or your pattern collection, then you can find me at sarahwalworth.com. So that's where I am at all the places. That's awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. It's been such a pleasure. It was a lot of fun, Anastasia. Thank you for having me. Again, if you would like to receive any of the community project emails at this point, you can go to my website, anastasiacreates.co slash community project and sign up for them. So you'll get access to all the previous emails that have already been sent out through the archives and then also access to any of the ones that are coming out in the future. So we do still have 
a few more for you. And we have one more podcast episode that will come out next week. Yes. And that will be the last one. So, uh, please go ahead and sign up and join me for the rest of this. It's been such an impactful series and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it when it's all said and done. 